all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Did I get you on that one? You did a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, no major housekeeping. Had some good interactions with our, our uh, loyal listeners. Yes. All five of them. Yes. Who are wonderful. And even if it was all five of you just listening and you know who you are, we would be happy with that. Yes. And we appreciate it. Yes, very much. Um, uh, rate, review, subscribe as usual. <laughs> Three R's. <laughs> yes. Um, all, at All Bad Things Pod, um, Twitter, Insta, Facebook. And at All Bad Things Pod at Gmail. Yes, we haven't gotten much email lately. We have, we have not. But if there's something, and we have done this, if there's something you want us to cover oh, and yes. you send it to us in a Gmail. Absolutely. Actually, we, ha- we have covered the two suggestions we've ever There gotten. was another one, and uh, I need to go back and look at that because somebody did. Actually, it was the same person who, um, anyway, here I am like opening the wrong up. Whatever. Anyway, yes, I need to go back because we, we have one sitting in there plus um, Quincy's. Other Texas City disaster we have to get to at some point. We'll get to that one. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Shot. <laughs> oh, speaking of which. What are you plugging tonight as I'm far as, far as so a beer? I'm so happy that Funky Buddha has finally gotten distribution up to North Carolina. Funky Buddha brooding. 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 <laughs> Buddha brooding. Funky Buddha brewing. Out of, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's Oakland Park, which is like a, a suburb of Fort Lauderdale in Broward County, um, which I've been to several times. You and I have been there yes, together. Yes, yeah. Amazing they uh, a, tap they, house. They have a Donkey Kong machine. I I know they changed that back room since oh. we've been there, but they might have we been there. back there. Yeah. But they, yeah, they did have free, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and they had that huge bocce ball court. Yes, yeah. No, they've. I think they've changed the back into more seating, um, and they started serving food too. Very good looking food. I had a giant pickle plate from them because it was the only vegan thing on the menu, <laughs> but it was really good. Who, who doesn't want a giant pickle plate? Right. <laughs> um, <coughs> anyway, I'm drinking their Floridian, which is their Hefeweizen. Can I try? Yeah, it? I, I think I have had it. Yeah. And, uh... It is good. Isn't it? Yeah. it is. Very refreshing. Um, And last time I was there was about six weeks ago when I went, when I was visiting my grandparents, and I had their no crusts. I had their peanut butter and jelly beer, and um, last snow, their coconut porter, um, which is a funny name for a beer in... South Florida, but... <laughs> yeah, because as far as anybody knows, they've had one snow. In 1977, <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Uh-huh. 
Um, it has snowed in Miami. Yes, it has. Once. Once that people <laughs> recall or know of, yes. That anybody has a record of. Uh-huh. We'll put and it, it that way. It was the winter you were born. It was. It was. Early yes. 77, yes. What does that tell you, dear listeners? <laughs> it's ever been since a long I, Ever time. since I've come into this world. It has not snowed. Snown. Snown. <laughs> it has not snowed in Florida or South Florida. Um, but it also, <coughs> excuse me, brings up something I've been wanting to mention so, obviously, South Florida's kind of been in the news lately for a couple of bad things that have happened. One, I'll just mention, we all know the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High shooting, um, which was in Parkland, which is in Broward County. Um, and that's all very sad, but sort of keeping on trend, on track for us, you know, being a disaster podcast, something else that happened that was a lot closer to where I grew up is uh, the FIU bridge collapse, the mm-hmm. Florida International University bridge collapse, which one that, day that, we will cover when there's been some certainly, distance. That certainly fits into our... Oh, yes, category. In, into of, our mold. Yes, uh, of what we cover, absolutely. Because it was, I mean, there were things that happened in the background that shouldn't have, but it was... It was not... Deli- uh, it, um, it was a freak accident. Crime, right, yeah. It, negligence, perhaps. Oh, um, for, cutting corners, perhaps. For certain. Yeah, that's but, all still ongoing to really uncover all of that. But, but it yeah. was it was an accident. It, yes, it was. And it cost six people? Six, six people, people died, yeah. yeah. Mostly, or at least <clears throat> several, I believe, were trapped in their cars underneath the bridge. It was a pedestrian That makes bridge. sense, yeah. Yeah, and I um, have been to FIU many times. The... Um, Dade County Fair, or the Miami-Dade County Fair, at least when I was living down there, was held on FIU's campus. Okay. So I've been there for that. Plus, um, I used to take composition lessons there. I took a conducting symposium there. I uh, I, I auditioned there. I, I got accepted there. So, and my mom graduated from FIU. So lots of ties. You got a, yeah. You it was got like a, five miles from where I grew up. You have a history with it. Yeah. With the uh, campus yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know anybody who, um, the, the six people who did die, I didn't, I didn't know any of them, but I'm sure six degrees of separation or whatever, you know. Sure, plenty of people did. Yeah, and obviously. That's a so shitty way to go out. It's terrible. Just, just such a terrible. Like you can literally just be driving down the road one day and a bridge falls on you. I kind of feel like that uh, in our cargo elevator every day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> at work. Yes. Oh, that's terrible. Yes. Oh man. They have to work on that thing at least once a week, and uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. But but I don't I, make me worried about. I you. have a mental contingency plan if okay. a thing falls from the third floor to the first floor. Are you going to jump at the last second? No, I'm going to <laughs> hang on to the gate at the last second. Hang on to the. Oh, it's, like it's, jump it up is and a, hang on yes, to it. It's oh. a cargo elevator, so uh-huh. you have to close the gate uh-huh. and then doors shut mm. in front of you. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, okay. I have it timed for a sixty foot free fall that I can do oh, that, God. but probably not. Because when I say the third floor mm-hmm. in a traditional building, that's right. thirty feet. Right. Where I work, it's sixty feet. Gotcha. Our ceilings are twenty feet high. Right. Gotcha. So. Well, let's just hope that never happens. I hope so. And I'm going to try not to think about it anymore <laughs> so I don't get scared for you going to work. All right. Are you ready? <coughs> I am. Uh, you, you've already uh, <laughs> well, said that right. this is a bit of a heavy one. It, it is. There's a specific reason it's heavy, um, which we'll get to, obviously. But, yes, my, my uh, clues to you, I believe, were that it's... 
a, a big category that we've done before, that it was in the Northeast United States, and there was a historical context. Did I say the San Francisco earthquake of 89? Is that what I said? No, you didn't. You didn't tell me what you were thinking. You're like, I have something in mind, but San Francisco is not in the Northeast. Oh, Northeast. United States, yeah. Duh. So that would be wrong. Yes. Is that what you were thinking? When you first told me about it, that's that's Mm. because I was thinking, obviously, Northwest. Gotcha. (laughs) Uh, but, But I do remember now saying... Uh, maybe it was a blizzard or an ice storm, something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think you did. It is not. Okay. It's one of our major categories that we will never run out of disasters on. Can you... Just go Just go ahead. It's a plane crash. Oh, okay. Because um, there's a trillion of them I was thinking. I was thinking natural disaster. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. Nope. This is, this is an aviation disaster. This is... Now, this disaster goes by a few names. So I picked one, but we'll also cover one of the others. Okay. What? Do you think I, you know what it is? I might. Guess. Go ahead. If you're right. Does this involve a bomb by any chance? No, because okay, that's not, not a... What, that's, that's right. That's a crime. That, that's a crime. Yeah, we will not cover bombings. Um, no, no, we haven't. The only context we ever sort of included a bombing was in our mini-sode about... Um, what was her name? Volova? The, uh, yes, Vesna Volovich. Volovich, that's right. Yes. Um, and that was a bomb. Yes, it was. Sus- suspected. Yeah, suspected bomb. There are other theories, too. So, no. This, so, what were you thinking it was? Uh, there was a there was an airliner, and I only remember this because there was a lot of people from Syracuse on this flight. Mm. There was an airliner in, like, the late 80s that got a bomb just blew up overboard. Oh, that's terrible. I think it crashed in Europe somewhere, but... Did everybody die? Yes. Aw. Yeah. Well, that's... It was it was one of the first major, like, terrorist... Oh, okay. Attacks. Mm-hmm. I know. But it happened in the late 80s. Mm. Um... Two towers did not fall, so we didn't yeah. go... We didn't go into a national emergency. Right. Right. Know. Uh-huh. But it was... It was Suspected terrorism, but anyway, I can't gotcha. remember exactly what it was. So, but again, that's a crime. Yeah, which, which that's we do, right. which we do not cover. That's right. Now this is the Park Slope plane crash, also known as the 1960 New York mid-air collision. Mid-air collision. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So we're going Breaking Bad with this episode. It's bad. Yeah. But you get the reference. Yeah, because wasn't that the <laughs> yes. the cause? It was the air traffic control dad who was distraught, and that's why that the his daughter had a heroin overdose that won't let her die from. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And two planes collided in midair. Spoiler alert! Fictionally, over Albuquerque, that's New Mexico. That's what the teddy bear eye is from. <laughs> it is. Yes. All right. It landed in the pool. Yes. <laughs> So on December 16th, 1960, two commercial airliners collided over New York City. No shit. Killing a total of 134 people. I'm going to guess everybody on board both planes. Yes. I mean, we'll get into it more, but yes. That actually sounds like a low casualty rate for what just happened. Well, so we're going to get into a lot of historical context for this, too. So. So we've obviously covered plane crashes before, but this is our first mid-air collision. We had the uh, um, 
the runway collision, the Tenerife that is true. collision. Yes. And we had Mount Erebus, which mm-hmm. was a collision of a plane and a mountain. And a mountain. But we've <laughs> but, not had, we, we've yet to have until now two, two planes. planes. midair, yeah. So, uh, so this, we've, I want to put this into some historical perspective. So this is pretty early in commercial aviation history. We're talking 1960. This is almost 60 years ago. Um, military aviation history goes back a lot farther than commercial does. Yes, it does. does. Oh, God, yes. Um, but for average people to be just flying around the country, it was still It was still pretty new, new yes, in 1960. Yes, it was. And kind of novel. Um, the first commercial jet airliner was the British-built de Havilland Comet and had only first flown in 1949, so only 11 years before this, and that was just a prototype. It wasn't debuted to the public until 1952. So by this point in time in 1960, we're talking eight years of commercial flight history. And it's still new territory as far as yeah. business. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all new. It's, it's I mean, as far as the general public goes. They took like the routes, how to fly, where to fly to. They took that from military technology. Right. Uh-huh. But now you're using it commercially. Right, exactly. So that's a big difference. It, it definitely is. Um, so yeah, so that's that's some historical con- context to sort of put in put this all into. Um, now the two planes that were involved in this collision were a Douglas DC-8 and a Lockheed L-1049 Super Constellation. I don't know the latter, but the DC-8 mm-hmm. is a big plane. Well, so... 1960 standards. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, yes, that's, that's, that's true. Um, the DC... Well, and there are different versions of the DC-8... In the 60s, there was one that came out with a passenger capacity of 259. This one was an earlier model that had a capacity of 119. Sure. So it's not as big. It was built to compete with the Boeing 707, to give some context, if that's helpful at all. It was manufactured from 1958 to 1972. So this model was still pretty new. It was the DC-811 was the model name. Um, now, this flight, this particular plane that was involved in the crash, was um, n- named the Mainliner Will Rogers. They all had kicky little names. Um, and it was flight number 826, So and, and operated by United Airlines. So this was United Airlines 826, or United 826 was the flight. It was en route from, uh, or to LaGuardia, in New York. <laughs> Which we have flown into. It's kind of a shitty airport, isn't it? <laughs> it's not great. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> Sorry. But you, but you can see the new city field where the Mets play in the background. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, uh, and it was coming from O'Hare in Chicago. In so Chicago, it was a Chicago yeah. to New York flight. Uh, s- Probably a standard flight. Yeah. 77 passengers and yeah. 7 crew members were on board. So 84 two, people. Two of the biggest... Three or four cities in America. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Chicago and, yeah. yeah. Standard flight. Mm-hmm. The Lockheed L-1049 Super Constellation was itself a competitor of the DC-6 by Douglas Aircraft. The model was produced from 1951 to 1958. So at this point, they had stopped making the, this model, but obviously they weren't out they're, of commission. They're still in service. Yes, exactly. Still in service, not in production. Um... 
More than half of the L-1049s built were used in the U.S. Navy and Air Force for transport and uh, warning and control. This particular super constellation was operated by Transworld Airlines, TWA, Mm -hmm. who are not around anymore. Right? They haven't been for a while, but they were... I don't were... know who they got eaten up by or <sighs> what. I, I don't, don't know remember. much about that. I I, I want to say they went bankrupt and just disappeared, but... And they may have gotten bought they out be, They became, like in the 60s and 70s, like the commercial Yeah, airliner. like you hear about... You associate them with like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, United is still around. Yes. TWA is not. Um, Transworld Airlines. Yes, Transworld Airlines. I believe that... Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's what I said. Transworld Airlines. Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, and this plane was named the Star of Sicily. Oh. Why? I don't know. Uh, and it was flight number 266. So we have United 826 and TWA 266 are the two. There are involved. three sixes between those. <laughs> there are. Between those two sixes. A lot signals. of twos and a lot of sixes. All even numbers. So for, this... all, for all you Iron Maiden fans out there. <laughs> or Satanists. Uh, hand in hand. Hail Satan, hail yourself, right? Hail yourself. <laughs> um, the flight was en route to Idlewild Airport in New York City mm-hmm. from a layover at Port Columbus International in Ohio that originally originated from Dayton International, also in Ohio. Um, and a side note, in 1963, Idlewild Airport would be renamed 1963 New York Airport. Oh, JFK? Yes. Oh, okay. So Idlewild was JFK International just prior to its name change because JFK was, wait, he was about to be elected president, wasn't he? In 19, or he had just been elected president, December 1960. The November 1960. I know, so he had won. just been elected yeah. president. Yeah. yeah. But nobody. Oh, thought, I thought you were talking about. Uh, but see. nobody knew he was going to be assassinated in three years at this point, so. Um,. 39 passengers and five crew members were on board the uh, TWA flight. So, if you've been counting at home, 84 plus 44 is 128. How many people did I say died? I, that's what I was just trying to think of. 134. So there's no Oh, people on the ground. Bingo. Yeah. So six so, people on... Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is not... So you're right. Everyone in both planes died. Spoiler had, alert. I do have. There's a little twist on that, but yes. Spoiler alert. Everybody dies and six people on the ground. So let's get into it. So, like I... So I wanted to give some context to the fact that commercial flight... Um, was still kind of new and novel, and I think it's important to get into a little bit of what air traffic control was like back then. Sure. Um, so suffice it to say, like, compared to today's technology, it was pretty shitty. Um, they didn't have the same... It, it didn't operate the same as it does today. And at the time, okay, there were air traffic controllers, there were control towers and the whole bit, but they didn't have... Like I said, they didn't have the technology we do today. So basically, a lot of air traffic control was up to the pilots um, to make sure they were maintaining a safe distance from each other using what's called visual flight rules or otherwise known as see and be seen. That's not surprising to me. Mm-hmm. 
Because I'm going to guess that probably every single pilot at this time had wartime experience. Quite a few, yeah. That is what the, I'm The guess. experienced ones, I mean, at this point, <clears throat> World War II is like 15 years in the rearview mirror, yeah. but, but the experienced pilots probably, yeah, were. I'm going to say every pilot. Minus, no. minus, like, I'm going to say 99.5%. Okay. But, but they're used to flying in formations, things like that. Like tight margins. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, because all of them probably served on bombing runs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Precision, accuracy. Yes. So they're probably just used to Situational oh, awareness. Steve's just over there, 90 feet away from my other wing. Like, whatever. It's plenty of room. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got the space. Right. You know, so well, that's... Well, and the way that I saw it, I, I saw this um, video that really helped, again, another great video that helped to visualize, I think it was from the Weather Channel, um, like, give visual context to this whole collision. And one of the things that they were talking about when they were talking about um, air traffic control at the time, they were saying basically planes were kind of like what cars are. There's no, there's no traffic control on right. a highway. You know, it's just every driver is situationally aware. Right. But the the downside to that is that there's plenty of collisions. <laughs> right. If you get in a collision in a car, uh-huh. the chances you live are pretty good. Yeah. Not terrible. If you get a collision in a plane, the chances are terrible. You're dying. Yeah. So <laughs> that's 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 so, the main difference. Now the traffic obviously in the air isn't as thick as on the roads, especially back in 1960. Right. Um, but you know. Yeah, and those planes are going really fast. Yes, hundreds of miles an hour. Um, what's more, the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA had been established in 1958. So we're only talking two Mm -hmm. years before this. So just planes being um, uh, controlled by their own administration, their own organization in the government was new. So... Well, they had a new... (coughs) Um, they had a new organization. Yes, yeah. Before before saying. the FAA, it was probably again well, no, all militarily. Not, yeah, I, I'm just yeah. saying that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now there's like a guideline. Yes. Now the FAA had the creation of the FAA had actually been precipitated or um, hurried along by the fact that just two years prior. Can I can I guess? Yeah. When the Soviets. Uh, launched in the space? No. no. Okay. That was a good guess, though. Because that, that did happen. Because that did happen two years prior. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was um, another plane crash over the Grand Canyon. Now this one we will cover one day, but between another United Airlines flight and another TWA flight that killed a hundred and I think twenty eight or something like that. At, so, so the exact capacity of both planes basically, with, without the people on the ground. Basically. And it was over the Grand Canyon. I was going to say, yeah. there, there's nobody on the ground in the Grand Canyon. So I'll, <laughs> we'll cover that one for sure in the future. But anyway. That sounds like an interesting one. Yeah, right but here. still, we're talking very early in This is early aviation history, commercial, commercial aviation, aviation. And in air traffic control. Yeah, this is so. when this is when people wore suits on and nice yes, dresses and on planes. Yes, on planes and had martinis probably. Yeah. So the crash. Mm. The morning of December. I, I was I was hoping to get away from. I that, know, right? But that's, a, that's the only reason that we're here <laughs> exactly. for. Exactly. 
The morning of December 16, 1960 was foggy. And there was a good. No, a light rain and sleet. Earlier there had been snow, so visibility was not wonderful. This is the Northeast. Yeah, in in winter in December. Mm-hmm. At 10:21 a.m., United 826 advised a company radio operator that a key part of its navigational equipment had stopped working. However, no one advised air traffic control. Mm. So air traffic control was unaware that they were having difficulty navigating. At 10.25 a.m., the flight, this the United flight, was flying southeast over the border from Pennsylvania to New Jersey when air traffic control modified the flight's route, um, truncating the flight by 11 miles. So it was like shaving 11 miles off the, the flight path. At 10.30 a.m., the flight was at 14,000 feet and was cleared to descend to 5,000 feet. At the same time, TWA-266 was beginning to approach Idlewild at an altitude of 8,000 feet, north of and roughly parallel to the United flight. So they are both headed into New York, heading east, uh, the TWA flight was north of the United flight, and they were kind of going parallel to each other at this point. Um, now, to give a geographical frame of reference, JFK, or Idlewild at this time, is in Jamaica, Queens, um, which is 16 miles southeast of Midtown Manhattan, and this is where the TWA flight was headed. LaGuardia is in Queens on Flushing Bay, as we've seen as we've flown <laughs> into it, and the East River. About 10 miles north, slightly northwest of JFK. So neither, obviously, are on the island of Manhattan. And I'm going to also say, because I don't think... I'm not sure that Shea Stadium actually existed at this time. I don't know. I don't know when it was... The Beatles played Shea Stadium. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying. I'm aware. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I know about flushing. Okay, so that's... That's all my flushing history. Gotcha. So that's where the United flight was headed. So actually... The United flight was south of the TWA flight, but their airports were on opposite ends. So the the TWA flight had to go slightly south, and the um, United flight had to go slightly north to get to their respective airports. So there was a chance that at the same time they could be crossing paths. Well, they weren't supposed to, so let's go into this. At this point, United 826 was told to enter a holding pattern... Roughly around Perth Amboy, or South South Amboy, New Jersey. So before it actually was encroaching into New York, just southwest across the bay from Staten Island. Um, So they were supposed to descend to 5,000 feet, slow to 240 miles per hour, and enter a holding pattern, which we all know is the circles. Fly in circles. Slow to 240 miles an hour. I know, right? (laughs) Unfortunately... Because United 826 had that faulty navigational equipment. And they were going a wee bit faster. They were going like 500 miles. They basically overshot New Jersey and um, missed where they were supposed to enter the holding pattern. I see where this is going. So their, their paths were not supposed to cross at all. Basically, the TWA flight was supposed to just go ahead and land while the um, United flight was just circling and the United flight would go through. So there wasn't... The plan, the flight path was not going to intersect them at any point. 
But because of this faulty mm. navigational equipment, mm. it's just not what happened. I already, uh-huh. I already see it. At 10.33 a.m., TWA-266 was advised by the control tower at LaGuardia that there was traffic off to the right. So if you if you can kind of picture it as they're coming south, their right would be to their south. Well, the, like to their south. Yeah, basically to their south. I can east. see what you're saying, but I can't actually explain it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... That other plane I, I, was coming I can up. see what you're saying, being the keywords. I know. Nobody no else one else can. can see my little hand gestures. Because the United flight was supposed to be in the holding pattern, no one knew that it was actually headed straight for TWA 266, including the United flight. Seconds later, United 826 collided midair with TWA 266. One of United 826's engines and its right wing tore into TWA 266's fuselage. So split it right in half. <clears throat> TWA 266 was a goner. <clears throat> it instantly entered a dive, spiraled to the ground while completely disintegrating. At one point... Yeah, I I hope so for everybody on board's sake. At one point, at least one passenger was thrown into a tree along the way. So people were falling from the plane, too, potentially. Ironically, most of the aircraft crashed into an airport, specifically the northwest corner of Miller Field, a U.S. Army facility on the east coast of Staten Island. that's where the people died. All 44... No. Oh. No, because it was dead empty. It was an airfield. Okay. All 44 people on board died, and one can only hope it was instantly. I I hope so. So. Except for the one guy in the tree. Well, and, yeah, anyway. So, no, there was no one on the ground where they crashed. Everyone was okay on the ground. It was at a U.S. Army facility, so obviously they were quick to react, I'm sure. But that's not where the focus of this story tends to go, and that's why it's not known as the Miller Field plane crash, but rather the Park Slope plane crash, because 826 had just lost one engine and a chunk of its right wing, and the flight crew somehow managed to keep it flying for another 90 seconds. Jesus. Traveling an additional eight and a half miles. There's some speculation they were trying to make some sort of emergency landing. Yes. But there's yeah. no great evidence that they really had control of the plane at any well, point after Well, they this. had as much control as they possibly could mm-hmm. have going through what they right. just went through. Right. So. Um, and, and none of the flight crew were heard at any point on the radio after No the shit. So. Unlike TWA-266, United-826 eventually came plummeting to the ground in a highly populated neighborhood, Park Slope, Brooklyn, in northwest Brooklyn, at the intersection of 7th Avenue and Sterling Place. Ten brownstone apartment buildings were impacted and caught fire, as well as a funeral home, a laundromat, a delicatessen, and somewhat ironically, a 75-year-old church called the Pillar of Fire Church. I thought the ironic part was was the funeral home. Oh, well, that too, I guess. <laughs> but yes, but, but that they both count as ironic in the worst possible way. 
Because United 826 landed in a populated area, here's where our six additional victims Mm. came from. They were bystanders in Brooklyn. One was a church caretaker. Uh, One was a sanitation worker. One was a man walking his dog. One was a local butcher. And two men were selling Christmas trees. It was December 16th. As terrible as this was... That's something you're expecting a fucking plane to fall out of the sky and kill you on the ground. Now, as as terrible as this was, the plane did narrowly miss a school full of over 1,000 children. So, small favors, I guess. So I'm going to show you a picture of the the scene in Park Slope. Oh my god. Holy shit. Yeah, and you can see the wing that says yes. United on it. Yeah. Well, you can see a lot of the whole damn plane. Wow. It's bad. And there's... <sighs> just brownstones around. Like, clearly it just crashed in a neighborhood. It's in the... Yeah. This would be like crashing in downtown Raleigh. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Any popu- heavily populated, like, neighborhood. And there's a freaking... And there's a plane in the middle of the damn neighborhood. Right? Well, the wreckage of it. Yes. But plenty of it. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. So are you ready to get into the super downer part of this? Uh, like, we, it, we, that we, wasn't... We weren't there already? No. Oh, it gets worse. So every person on board both flights died on impact... Except for one. An 11-year-old boy named Stephen Lambert Baltz. Can we stop there? You just want me to stop? No, I'm, I'm, just I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying, no. like, like the, the... Yeah. And that's him. Mm-hmm. That's little Stephen Lambert Bolts. He looks like a child that was how old? He was 11. 11. Uh, he looks like a little He looks like a child that was born in 1949. Yep, he was. He's got his little bow tie and the... It's cutest little smile. And the, and the, uh, the buzz cut. Yep. He just looks like a chipper, cheery, adorable little 1960 child. God. <sighs> so... Well, to make it even more sad, he would have died like eight or nine years later in Vietnam. So... Oh, Wow. Oh, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> Poor Steven. I'm, s- I'm, sad that that's, I'm sad that that's immediately what oh, I thought God. of. But yes, he would have. Anyway, Steven was a sixth grader from Wilmette, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. Steven was flying as an unaccompanied minor to visit his grandparents in Yonkers. He was supposed to fly a couple days earlier with his mother and his sister, but had a sore throat, so he stayed behind to recover, and his mother was going to meet him at the airport. So he wasn't even supposed to be on the flight, initially. I, I guess they... I mean, we're, we're talking almost 60 years ago. Yeah. So maybe they... Th- Thought it was of a, a, lot a sore th- to, no no maybe oh. they thought of a sore throat as like you shouldn't be at altitudes or they didn't know if he was going to get sick or something yeah, like that yeah or maybe they just didn't want to expose maybe they were but nice na- and didn't want to expose but people but nowadays I mean well, a, yeah. a sore throat's not going to keep you off a flight yeah. it's just not yeah so Stephen was thrown from the tail of the plane oh, into a snowbank and was conscious 
and on fire when he was oh found. Oh, my God. Bystanders rolled him in the snow to extinguish his sure. clothes. Sure, yeah. Then flagged down a car to take him to the hospital because the area was so congested with regular traffic and just the... Um, the chaos of what was happening, that it was easier to just flag someone down and be like, here, take this kid to the hospital Get than wait there. for an ambulance. Yeah. Um, and he told Dorothy Fletcher, Stephen told Dorothy Fletcher, who was one of the people who rode with him to Methodist Hospital, that he was worried his mother would be wondering what happened to him because he wasn't meeting her at the airport. God. At the hospital, Stephen told a doctor... He had seen the snow falling on New York City when he was flying in and said, quote, it looked like a picture out of a fairy book. It was a beautiful sight. Oh, my God. Both of Stephen's parents were able to be there with him when he died the next day in the hospital from pneumonia, having been badly burned and inhaling burning fuel. Yeah. I mean, when you get badly burned, your chances of survival are not well, very good. Well, it lowers good. your immunity horribly, but yes. also he inhaled burning fuel, and yeah. that's, it got into his lungs, and that's basically what killed him. God. Yeah. So that was the total bummer part of the story. Like, let's just add insult to injury sort of thing. <laughs> like the whole mid-air collision it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't enough. bummer enough. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's throw in a, a kid that fell out of the tail, went into a snowbank, got rolled in the snowbank, sent to a hospital, died the next day, but had, like, the most clarity. And the sweet idea at, of how out of, pretty it was. Out of any human being possibly know. ever, and he's only 11. His little smiling face uh, yeah. and his little bow tie. Yeah. Poor Steven. So, God, okay. I know, I know. I, I, I could have done without that. I, <laughs> I, think our, I think our listeners could have done without that as well. They, there was, um, they call him, like, he's sort of known as the boy who fell from the sky. Uh, yeah, into a snowbank. And there on are, on fire. Um, there are actually, Jesus. like, legends that he, like, is a friendly ghost that haunts uh, the nearby police <laughs> that, precinct. That, that haunts United Airlines? <laughs> no, the, a nearby precinct where, anyway. Um, so there were obviously inquiries into this crash, which at this point was the deadliest U.S. air crash, um, in U.S. Sure, history. Sure, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. It's probably still up there. I mean, that's a lot of people um, in one plane crash. I, I think it's been passed over many times. Sure. But yeah, it's still catastrophic, obviously. I'm going to so. go with the top 20. Okay. Which I, I don't want to be on that list. <laughs> no, no one does. <laughs> Investigators were able to locate the flight data recorder or the black box mm-hmm. um, from the United flight. And flight data recorders had only been mandated to be used as of late 1958. So this was new. And this was the first accident investigation in which a black box assisted by providing useful data. So it was okay. kind of um, historic we're on, we're in that on, way. Uh, we're on new ground as yeah. far as technology is concerned. Yeah. Aviation technology. Exactly. Now, it's... It's strange. I could not find much information on the fallout of all this, like how things changed. Like, I couldn't really even find anything. I figured this would have played heavily into, like, advances in air traffic control especially. But I couldn't really find much information, maybe just because it was so long ago. But anyway, um, investigators divvied out blame. 61% to United. 24% 24% to the U.S. government, I imagine the FAA and sure. uh, air traffic control. Sure. And 15% to TWA. Apparently, one Sir Edmund Hillary, 
Do you know who he is? I have no idea. Really? You've never heard of Edmund Hillary? No. The who first is? man to summit Everest? Okay. He, he was along with uh, Tenzing Norgay. I knew, I knew, it's funny because I was just looking at an article the other day of people who didn't make it to the top of Everest. There's more people who haven't made it. Yeah. But he, he along with Tenzing Norgay, were the first people to reach the summit of Everest. Um, so a famous explorer. He also explored Antarctica. But anyway, he had... I've, n- I've never heard that's of this crazy. guy. crazy. Anyway, he had a ticket for Flight 826, but arrived late at O'Hare and missed his flight, which was good for him, obviously. Uh, that's what happened to Seth MacFarlane on yeah, 9-11. Yeah, 9-11, yeah, yeah. He got too fucked up the night before, <laughs> and his uh, publicist or mm-hmm. somebody in his group told him the wrong time for the flight, yeah. told him like a half hour later, so he mm. showed up like, and the flight was like already gone. Yeah. Lucky for him. Yeah. Where would we be without Family Guy? Well, <laughs> I think we'd be just fine, but... But can you imagine that? I like know, that the near miss, that's well, the, horrible. Well, that's also, I would think, plays into like a bit of a survivor's mm-hmm. guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if I'd actually made my flight, I'd be dead. Well, that's the... I feel like that's the, and we've kind of talked about this before, like, you know, people where that happens are like, oh, God was watching out for you. Everything happens for a reason. It's like, well, what about the other What about the other people? Yeah. people is God know? watching? Uh, no, just, just you. Just for you, Jonathan. Just you. Just you. <laughs> you prayed very well that morning. I, yeah. I, 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 no, I yeah. don't okay. want to imagine. Well, let's keep going. Yes. So the the most sort of, I guess, famous or notable victims of this crash uh, were Gary and Mary Myers, the son and daughter-in-law of Gary and Carolyn Myers, who founded Highlights Magazine. You remember oh, Highlights? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. And they would eventually birth a son named Michael Myers. <laughs> Okay. I'm kidding. But I remember, um, so, and, and then also the Highlights Company VP, Sarah Ewart, was also on the plane. Is that so. magazine still around? TWA 266. I don't know. I haven't seen I it in years. I kind of hope so. But probably not. But do you remember? It was maybe, always, maybe it lives online. Maybe. It was always at the dentist and the pediatrician's okay. office. Yes. Yeah. And someone, some asshole kid had always done the find the... <laughs> Circle the differences. So, somebody, or somebody else, somebody else had always done the coloring. Yes, and, yes, yeah. Because it was an activity book. Yeah, so but offer. it was fun. It was a, it was a great magazine. I hope it's still around. It was fun. Anyway, there is a memorial plaque in the chapel, chapel of Methodist Hospital, honoring the crash victims that has displayed and melded into it. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, the sixty-five cents found in Stephen. Oh, no shit. So that's the exact change that was found in his pocket. It also says there was 135 victims, which is incorrect. That's so. uh, There was uh, 144? 34. 134. They were just one off. And and it says on here, our tribute to a brave little boy. Yeah. And it's 65 cents. He hung, in there, he hung in there for a day yeah, after being did. thrown from an airplane on fire. Yeah. Shit. Because this was back in 1960, identification methods for human remains, especially that had been burnt, was not what they are today. They didn't have DNA evidence. Dental records weren't what they were, whatever. 
and three caskets of remains of the victims that were unable to be identified were buried in the Greenwood Cemetery with a plaque, and in 2010, a granite memorial with the names of all 134 victims inscribed was erected. And that is the very sad story of the Park Slope crash, also known as the 1960 New York mid-air collision. All right, we, we just took our listeners last week into something very depressing. I which, know. Which became the Hunger Games of, uh, of a shipwreck. A, a board affair, w- yeah. Which I'm going to guess, to a degree, happens on every shipwreck. Well, who knows. But that was pretty brutal. It was brutal. Um, this at least had a... <laughs> slight amount of hope in it being that that, that hope being an 11 year old boy got tossed from the sky on fire and landed in the snowbank and, and hung on then hung on for a day 27 hours a day and three hours yeah um yeah that's that's Two, that's two shitty episodes in a row. It is, which is why I started. <laughs> and I mean it in the, and I don't mean shitty. No, I know what you mean. We know that there are a couple of Twitter followers that have called our uh, podcast not so great. Whatever. But I don't mean shitty in the, in the context of these were like, we didn't do a good job. They're just terrible depressing. things. Yes, really depressing. So which is why I started... Um, my research for either the next episode, because I said, I know you said that we might do a reverse next week, because you, you mm-hmm. had something in mind. But I already started, and I got about a page in to research on another episode that I feel qualifies as a disaster, but I'll give a big, gigantic I mean, it'll be impossible to guess from this one hint, but because we've had such depressing episodes lately... There's actually no casualties, no human casualties in this one. But the story behind it is really fascinating, and I still think it qualifies as a disaster because of what happened in general. Well, people don't have to die for it to be a disaster. Exactly. So I kind of feel like we almost need a (laughs) non-death disaster. We need a a refresher. We need a happy disaster. Yes, where nobody dies. People get maimed. Uh, maybe 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 lose everything that they have, but hey, they're not dead. Hey, at least you're not dead. Yeah. Oh so, God. That, yeah. yeah. Again, and even Demetrius, he hasn't even said a word since he's been in here. No. That's he, how depressed he is. Yeah, this poor baby. <laughs> Look at his little sad eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, that was the Park Slope plane crash. Oh, and that was tragic, and. Uh, something something I'll think of the next time I'm on a plane because I always again I've mentioned this before I always think of the scene from Alive yes. the movie Alive mm-hmm. when I'm on a plane I don't know why I think that I just do thankfully it's never happened yes and hopefully never will yes and uh, and now I have a new um, mind fuck yeah. the next time I'm on a plane yep Happy Monday, everybody. Yes. Next time we fly into LaGuardia. Yeah. <laughs> which could be which could be this summer. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> I will hopefully not think of this, but I know I will. Probably. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.